Hey, what's going on, fam? It's Kyle Henderson of BamaInsider.com here to provide what we learned after the Texas A&M game, Alabama now 2-0, going into week three against Ole Miss. Um, I want to start off with the quarterback play, Mac Jones. And as everybody knows, he had a fantastic showing, not only week one, but in week two as well. I mean, you saw that carryover. You saw even more confidence, in my opinion. 20-27, 435 yards, four touchdowns. He had a passer rating, 250.9. He had the interception off the tip. Uh, felt that uh, Texas A&M made a good play on that. But Mac Jones was able to rebound, respawn with some really big plays that were really exceptional. I thought the ball placement, again, was right on the money. Look at what he did uh, connecting downfield with his wide receivers. And, um, I mean, he clearly has that big play ability, the ability to get the football effectively to his wide receivers. And when we look at his numbers overall through two games, I mean, this is pretty mind-boggling. He's 38 of 51. That's a 74.5 percentage passing-wise. He has 684 yards. He has six touchdowns and one interception. So overall, his rating is 222.1. That's just outstanding. And um, through two games, I mean, he's clearly showed that he's quarterback one. Alabama really high on him. You saw the social media video of this guy walking through the tunnel, listening to all the noise and blocking out all the noise and coming up and showing what he could do through two games, really putting the back, um, at least the offense, leading them right down the field where they need to be. And um, I, I think it's really been incredible to see him progress year over year. And I think that we're kind of talking, you know, going into the season, is this the guy capable of leading this team? And there was a lot of people that felt that he wasn't the guy. Well, he's clearly proved those doubters wrong. And I think now you look, is he one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC? I think he is he one of the best quarterbacks in the entire country. So, um, I mean, the, the play of Mac Jones has been money. Uh, Mac 10 has been big time. And I cannot wait to see him further progress as we get into the season. I mean, the stats right now, really mind-boggling what Mac Jones is doing through two games. Um, welcome to the show, John Mechie. I mean, what John Mechie did against Texas A&M, he clearly proved that he's that number three wide receiver. You got Devontae Smith. You got Jalen Waddle. Those guys have been exceptional through two games, but really you saw John Mechie, um, I mean, what he's capable of. I mean, the the native from our friendly neighbor to the North Canada, I mean, balled out last night against Texas A&M. Five receptions, 181 yards, two touchdowns. He was targeted six times, and he's showing that big playability as well. I mean, I, I think how he was able to adjust to the football mid-flight, being able to catch football on the run. He showed good speed, good acceleration, and showed that he's that next guy in waiting. I mean, when you look at, um, you know, next season, you have Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, sure shot guys in the NFL, and who's going to step up next? Well, John Mechie clearly showing that he has that ability, and we knew that he had that ability. I think overall, I mean, you, you have to remember that this guy was an A-Day MVP not too long ago and um, clearly has the ability to contribute at a very high level. Five receptions, 181 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, just an outstanding showing for John Mechie in uh, the home opener at Brian Denny. I know a lot of fans really excited about him. And, and kind of when we look to the stats right now and look at the overall production from the wide receivers, um, we're going to talk about Jalen Waddle in just a second. But Devontae Smith leads the team, 14 receptions, 152 yards. Waddle has 13 receptions, 276 yards, and three touchdowns. And then John Mechie, seven receptions with two touchdowns. Um, all those guys with big-time numbers right now. And uh, John Mechie actually threw seven receptions, averaging 31.9 yards per catch, which is uh, outstanding, clearly. 
All right, as we continue to move forward, let's talk about Jalen Waddell and Najee Harris. I mean, um, Najee Harris yesterday against uh, Texas A&M, you look at the production that he did, and, um, you know, he was effective, but they didn't have to go to him too much. And maybe that wasn't the game plan. I felt that Texas A&M did a good job uh, defensively stopping Alabama's run. Najee Harris had 12 rushing attempts for 43 yards, an average just 3.6 yards per carry. He did have two touchdowns. Um, and and you're seeing Najee Harris really being effective in red zone situations, right? On the season, Najee Harris, 29 attempts, 141 yards, and he has five touchdowns through two games. He's averaging uh, right now 4.9 yards per carry. And I think he's been everything that we expected him to be, especially catching the football. I mean, um, right now he has... Um, Four receptions for 34 yards on the season made some great catches. And I think that's one of the things that really separates Najee when you look at kind of the overall running backs throughout the country is the ability for him to make catches downfield. I, I, I love how he high points the football, uh, really effective. Um, let's talk about Brian Robinson just a second. I, I want to talk about uh, Jalen Waddle. Brian Robinson, I thought, did a fantastic job in game two. I think in game one, he had some opportunities, didn't do too much. Um, but in, in game two, I think we saw the Brian Robinson that we wanted to see in the in the preseason. 10 attempts, 60 yards. He actually led the team in rushing last night. He had an average of six, and he ran angry, right? And that's what you want to see from a guy coming off um, the bench because Najee Harris is going to be that guy who wears you down and then to have another running back to come in and wear you down as well. I think that's only a positive for Alabama's offense. Uh, on the season, 14 carries for 78 yards. Um, but as I mentioned, 60 of those yards came against uh, Texas A&M. So really impressed with the play of Brian Robinson. Thought he did an exceptional job when given a good opportunity. Let's talk about Jalen Waddle now and, and just what he brings to this team. Um, we knew coming in, and I've been harping on Jalen Waddle this entire uh, postseason that he is the most electric player in all of college football. We we've seen greatness from him already. I mean, last night, five receptions, 142 yards receiving with one touchdown and you look what he did in the opener against Missouri and I was eight receptions for 134 yards so overall on the season it, this guy is all about production I mean if he was on your fantasy football team uh, this guy is racking up big time numbers 13 receptions 276 yards with three touchdowns already on the season um, he's averaging 19.9 uh, on those receptions and I mean th this guy's a playmaker I, I think one of the things that really stands out to me from watching the game against Texas A&M he catches the football it wasn't the most uh you know, it wasn't the best throw from Mac you know he had to kind of slow down for a little bit but I, I think once he hit that gear you really saw what people are talking about that speed to get to the next level that acceleration that uh, Dr. Matt Ray has really been talking about right the, the, the acceleration it really from, from Jalen Waddle is something that you only see on Sundays. And, and clearly we saw um, that against Texas A&M when he put it into a high gear. So Jalen Waddle clearly making a campaign for himself. I know it's tough to win the Heisman and we kind of joke about it, but you have Najee, Jalen, and you have Mac Jones all kind of in that conversation. I would rank them uh, probably Mac Jones, number one, uh, Najee, and then Jalen Waddle, just because that's how the award works. But all those guys, certainly uh, playmakers in the early season. Um, as we move to number four, and this is what we learned after Texas A&M, let's talk about the offensive line play. I think the offensive line, in my opinion, has done a fantastic job um, through the first two games of the season. You look at the starters, and I know if, if there's anything to be critical about with the offensive line, it's not that they've allowed sacks. Um, sure, you know, they, they might have allowed a couple pressures or two. Maybe that tip pass was on the offensive line. That was an interception. 
Um, by the way, Najee made a great play on that to, to stop that from being a pick six. But I look at uh, Evan Neal. You look at Alex Otherwood. I think Evan Neal has two penalties on the year. Um, Alex Otherwood has one. So through two games, those guys have a combined three penalties. Landon Dickerson had a penalty against Texas A&M. But overall, those guys in run blocking situations have done their job. I think in, in pass pro, most importantly, especially in the first half of the season, they've allowed Alabama a really clean pocket. Mac Jones has looked extremely comfortable back there. Yeah, he's taking a couple hits. It's going to happen. Um, he's bounced back up because he's a tough dude. But Alabama's offensive line, in my opinion, is is really fantastic, right? The bookends, I thought, have been great. Evan Neal, we wanted to see how he would make that transition from guard to tackle. He's a natural tackle, yes, and he's only going to get better. Um, I think Deontay Brown has played great in the first half. I want to see a little bit more production for him in the second half because it's not like Alabama's swapping out, you know, the second team in these games. I mean, if you, if you watch the first two games of the season, um, I mean, Alabama's playing – their first team pretty much the entire game. I know we saw Kendall Randolph and Chris Owens uh, last week, but um, and that was against Missouri. But for the most part, these guys are playing the entire offensive line. I'll kind of look at the participation participation chart kind of more in depth to kind of see which guys played. And I keep a, a really in-depth roster overview at Bammy Insider if you want to hop over there and kind of look at who played, how many snaps, et cetera. But, I, but when just talking about the first-team offensive line, I like what I've seen uh, through two games. I think it's the offensive line that we thought they were going to be. Moving on to the defense, um, you kind of look at the time of possession yesterday. And I think that was something that we really have to circle because, yes, Texas A&M had 450 yards of offense. And you don't like that if, if you're a – um, if you're a fan and you look at the defensive statistics, they had 335 yards passing, 115 yards rushing. Well, I mean, you kind of look at the the time of possession overall, and uh, at Texas A&M, they had the ball for 37 minutes of this game. Alabama had the football for 22 minutes. So, yeah, people want to point the finger at P. Golding, and that's going to be our next point, and we're going to talk about that. However, if the offense is on the field – for 37 minutes of a game, they're going to rack up yards. It's not like Kevin Munn was just, you know, having a field day against Alabama. He just had so many opportunities. Um, I mean, he had 318 yards. A lot of it was kind of the dink and dunks. Yeah, there was the one 47-yard um, touchdown. Take that away. I mean, you look at kind of what Texas A&M's receivers were averaging, 10.3, uh, 10.3, 13.5. It wasn't like these guys were catching long passes downfield and kind of racking up yards. It was kind of more the dink and dunks. And, yeah, that was their game plan. They went to the, their, their running backs uh, many times out of the backfields and the flats. But I, I think when you have uh, the time of possession, like Texas A&M did, you know, you're, you're going to put up yards. And – Alabama has that quick strike offense, so I think they have to find some sort of balance. But what are you going to do? Tell John Mechie to stop running? What are you going to do? Tell Jalen Waddle to stop running? Um, but when you put the defense on the field for 37 minutes, is my point. Uh, I, I, the offense is going to the opposing offense is going to rack up yards like Texas A&M did. Now Nick Saban made a great point. He said that um, you know while Kellen Munn did throw for 318 yards. He only ran for 19 yards, and in the past two games that Alabama has faced Kellen Mund, he has ran for, what, what was it, almost 100 yards each game. Um, I think overall, though, Kellen Mund is the first, one of the first players to uh, accumulate over 1,000 yards in total offense against Alabama's defense, and he's played, you know, what, what is it, three times? So that's, that's pretty notable if you're Kevin Mund. I, I would be curious to see um, other players who have done it in the past. I'd have to do some research, but I do know that Kellen Mund – over a thousand all-purpose yards against Alabama's offense in three seasons. Now, is the is the blame? And this is point number six. Well, I will have ten here. Is the blame really on Pete Golding? 
right? When you when you look at um, this defense, yeah, last last uh, last game it was fifty two to twenty four against Texas A and M. A and M allows or racks up four hundred fifty yards. Are you pointing all the fingers at Pete Golding? Is he the reason that Alabama's defense is allowing you know twenty four points against A and M, nineteen points against Missouri? I mean, you kind of look at the first half of these games, and Alabama has been in control for the you know the first half of the game. I'm kind of pointing the finger in the second game to the time of possession, but there are certainly plays that you could point out um, to certain players. I mean, um, Dylan Moses, for example, Alabama was in their nickel package, and he got caught covering a, a running back at the slot position. I mean, that's a that's a mismatch. Is that on Pete Golding? Possibly. What about Daniel Wright? Daniel Wright had the ability to come up and knock the player who was a wide receiver running on the field. He kind of he tapped him, and he scored on a 47-yard touchdown. People want defensive perfection i get it but is that possible in this new world of college football you know it's not like alabama is just grinding out the ball and not allowing you know the the opposing offense to get on the field i'm telling you like how many points is 24 really um i mean it's it's a yeah it's a lot of points but i mean nick saban is a defensive guy and if he has to make changes and he probably will eventually at the defense coordinator position but how much of this, and I want to hear from you, how much of this is really on Pete Golding, all right? It's something to think about, and it's something that I really haven't made my mind up about either, but I'm just saying, when you look at the statistics, Alabama scoring at such a high pace, you're putting your defense on, out onto the field constantly. Okay. Um, number seven, let's talk about Daniel Wright through two games. As we look at kind of the defensive statistics, uh, right now, Daniel Wright has... 14 tackles, which is third on the team. Christian Harris leads the team with 16. Jordan Battle has 15. Uh, Daniel Wright, he had a he had 11 tackles actually against Missouri, and a lot of people were critical that he wasn't physical. And then guess what happens against Texas A&M? He could he had a great opportunity to come up, make a big hit, stop a touchdown, um, pushes the guy, and the guy stays in bound, runs for a 47 yard touchdown, then uh, redeems himself with a 47 yard pick six. What is your take on Daniel Wright? I think when you look at Alabama secondary, I like what I see. Josh Job has been doing a fantastic job at the corner position. Patrick Sartain, I thought he's been playing uh, great through week two. Malachi Moore, I mean, my goodness, he's playing great for a freshman. He got an interception against Texas A&M as well. Um, and then you have Jordan Battlehall, I think, has shown that, I mean, he, he came up and popped someone. He also has a, a pass deflection on the year. But is Daniel Wright the weak spot in the secondary? Could be. And who's and you kind of look to the bench? I mean, could it be DeMarco Helms? Could we see him get an opportunity? Now, Nick Saban said that Daniel Wright is a ball hawk, and that's what you need back there in the secondary, but you also need a lot of physicality if you're Alabama safety. Let's kind of see how he emerges as a player. But he doesn't have a lot of time because Ole Miss is certainly watching the first two games, and if I'm a secondary coach, I'm trying to get Alabama in that nickel package. I'm trying to get Daniel Wright in some situations where he's uncomfortable and trying to run the football or, or throw the football to where, you know, you have opportunities to go against Daniel Wright. Just my opinion. Um, okay, moving on. We got uh, number eight, the Terminator, William Anderson, and the missile, Christian Harris. I mean, it's really hard to believe that these guys are underclassmen. William Anderson, the five-star freshman outside linebacker, is on is in on Every single play. Literally, he's in the backfield every single time. I thought in the beginning of the game, Texas A&M did a good job trying to funnel him, trying to um, you know, get two defenders on him, or two offensive linemen on him, rather, to stop him from getting to the backfield. 
But it's just, it's impossible because he is so quick. That first step is really amazing. And then you have Christian Harris who is playing, I mean, like a, like a missile. That's what I'm calling him. If if Anderson is a Terminator, then Christian Harris is the missile. Christian Harris has 16 tackles in two games. I think he's playing outstanding. William Anderson has six tackles, three against Missouri, three against uh, Texas A&M. And he's in the backfield every single time. He had a, a couple pass rushes um, on the quarterback. I mean, this, this guy is fantastic. I love the duo. I, I think it's one of the most dangerous duos in all of college football on the, on the defensive side of the ball. Special teams play. Um, I mean, I, I know you're happy with the special teams play. <laughs> and, and we'll just talk. Um, well, you're happy with the kicking situation. And, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the punting as well. Okay, right now, Will Reichard uh, is 12 of 12 on PATs. Yes, that, that's amazing to you, right? And he's 2 of 2 on field goals. Yeah, that's amazing. So basically, he's perfect through two games, and that's all Alabama fans want. Yeah, Alabama fans want perfection in everything, but especially the kicking game where we needed to see improvement. Now, punting-wise, Sam Johnson had an average against Texas A&M. He punted twice. His average was only 33 yards. You're not going to flip the field with a 33-yard punt. He has five punts on the year, 183 yards for 36, uh, 36.6 is his average. That's not good, okay? I, I'm not sure what's going on, why Ty Perrine isn't getting uh, opportunities. Maybe, obviously, Sam Johnson has beat him out. So does Alabama have another weak spot? Is that the, the punting situation? I think Alabama needs to figure that out going into um, a pivotal stretch. You've got Ole Miss, um, who, you know, they're going to be dangerous. you got Georgia, and then you have, of course, um, you know, Tennessee, who looked pretty good as well. So um, from an overall special team standpoint, um, like where the kicking game is, PATs and field goals, and then the punting, I think that's an area they need to improve. Okay. Last point, and uh, then I'm going to get you guys out of here. Thank you for joining me. Just wanted to come on and provide uh, some things that I learned after Texas A&M and Alabama. Let's look at the SEC overall. Right now in the East, you have Florida, Georgia. And it seems like a three-horse race, right? Um, those guys in the East, and then you have Alabama in the West. Georgia and Florida and Tennessee, all those teams are undefeated currently right now. And you look at kind of the points for, points against Florida, able to rack up a ton of, of, of points 89 points overall they've allowed 59 points so you know they've they've kind of you know the defense probably needs to tighten up a little bit and then we saw Georgia completely dominate Auburn I don't really know what to take away from uh, Auburn early on in the season um, but Georgia is 2-0 and, and, and the defense looked great I have to be honest uh, Tennessee I think they look really improved and they took care of Missouri they're only favored to win by 11 and they covered that easily um, so they're 2-0 as well you look at the West, you got Alabama um, clearly out in front. I mean, uh, I was kind of looking at Mississippi State, and then they lost to Arkansas, right? I was uh, curious to see what Ole Miss would do, and I'm not surprised to see uh, Lane pull out a W against Kentucky. I mean, that guy's going to – he's going to have tricks, right? Um, as we kind of look a little bit more more in depth at Georgia, 37-10 um, to 10 against Arkansas in the home opener, and then – I'm sorry, that was the opener of the season, and then last night was their home opener – and they beat Auburn 27-6. Georgia has Tennessee next, which should be a great game. And then they have Alabama, a game that we've all been looking forward to. And then they got Kentucky. Then they got Florida. And then they got Missouri. That's a tough schedule. It's a tough schedule for everybody this year in the SEC. I love it. Every single weekend is packed with great games. Um, as we look to Florida's schedule, um, they started out with a win against Ole Miss. Ole Miss racking up some points. They scored 35 points against Florida. That was a 51-35 victory for the Gators. And uh, we saw Florida beat South Carolina and Will Muschamp 38-24. to 
And then um, this next week, Florida and Texas A&M. So it'll be interesting to see kind of, you can't compare scores, but you can kind of, you know, gauge a talent level. So, you know, A&M facing Alabama, and then they have to turn around and face Florida. And then Florida will take on LSU, and then they'll take on Missouri, and then they'll take on Georgia. So I love these early season matchups. A uh, ton going on in the SEC. I love to track it. It's just all been been so great to check out. Um, but thank you very much for joining me today. Kyle Henderson of BamaInsider.com, kind of providing some context, what we learned um, against Texas A&M after week two, Alabama now 2-0. They will go into this game against Ole Miss undefeated. And I'm curious to see Lane Kiffin, Nick Saban, and that's a, another uh, Saban versus one of his former assistants. Now Saban, now 20-0 against former assistants. Unbelievable. Catch more of our coverage back at BamaInsider.com. Thanks for following our coverage. Be sure and hit the thumbs up. And most importantly, subscribe for more content right here on BamaInsider.com.